a hard working man. He gets up real early and he goes downtown. About 15 minutes after he's been gone, there's a big milk truck pulls up on the lawn. That milkman rushes up to the door where that man's wife's waiting in a kimono and she plants a big old kiss on his cheek and they go inside. And that truck never moves for an hour or two. Well, it's none of my business. One day I called him aside and told him what was going on while he was gone. He said, well, I guess that's so, but do you know we're never out of milk or cottage cheese or yogurt, ice cream, or none of them other cowy things. I guess he's making the best of a bad situation. Don't want to make waves, can't you see? He's just making the best of a bad situation. Reckon I'd do the same if it was me. That's what a number of people are doing with regard to the pandemic, making the best of a bad situation. Oh, I should mention that's Dick Feller, of course, and a number of uh, wonderfully sardonic records like the credit card song was on 1974 in Asylum, got to number 11 on the country charts. But uh, as far as making the best of a bad situation, there there's a silver lining in the pandemic. We'll talk about that and a number of other things as we welcome Vincent Jenner. He, uh, Jenna, yes, he's an author, speaker, psychic teacher, and medium. And I believe, I didn't, I didn't write it down here, but I'm pretty sure that's vincentjenna.com, is it not? Yes, it is. All right. Well, good to talk, good to, talk to you. You're uh, absolutely fascinating. I was uh, taking a gander at your website last night, and uh, uh, there, there are so many places to start that I, that I almost don't know, uh, don't know where to begin. But I'm fascinated by the fact that uh, you actually can see beyond the veil. Oh, I, I know. It fascinates me, too, at times. And I'm so glad that you watching it at night, it didn't cause you to go to sleep. <laughs> you know, it, I'll, I'll tell you a little funny story about that. I do. I go to sleep every night about four in the morning. My hours are I sleep from four to noon. And uh, very often at that time, I'm still keyed up from having done a show or something. So I'll turn on to YouTube and uh, my, my husband knows I look for one of my nuts. And invariably, there are people who are either doing psychic predictions or uh, astrology readings or Vedic astrology or whatever. But uh, Vincent, uh, you don't work for me because I do stay awake when I turn, tune in various uh, things that you've done online. So I guess that's a compliment. That is a compliment. My wife uses it to help her go to sleep. But then, and, and whenever I start talking with her, she goes to sleep anyway. That's okay. <laughs> well, see, she she she's just uh, she's just feels safe with you. It's the uh, it's the soothing nature of your voice. I'm sure. Absolutely. Oh, I love the way you put that. You're a fan of mine already. <laughs> yeah, there you are. I'm a, I'm yes. a fan of yours. No, no, probably right. Probably right the first time. Uh, you know, uh, you, you had said something on your site about one of the things about the pandemic is that it does bring forth all the relationship problems yeah. that were easy to ignore when you were on the go. And uh, you're a man after my own heart, because when this first started and people were talking about how great it might be for relationships, I said, man, domestic violence is going to be through the roof and unfortunately that's the case absolutely and and yes and the thing is it really has nothing to do with what the virus is causing it's just bringing to the surface everyone's deep-seated garbage and if you have relationship issues to start with you didn't necessarily get into it the right way or you didn't heal things from your past it was going to come to the surface, and it's going to get in the way now. And that's exactly what's happening with people. 
I also find it interesting, and of course, I've been working from home for decades, so it doesn't make much of a difference in my days, but people who are saying, I'm so bored, there's just nothing to do. Firstly, I consider that to be a luxury I'll never understand. But the other thing is I would think that the downtime would be welcome, that people would look at this as, man, this is a great time to be introspective. But what I'm hearing instead is people are scared witless of that concept. They are because it's not that they're bored. They lost their protective mechanism. See, people getting involved in their lives and work, or I go to work all day long, they don't have to think about their issues. They don't have to think about what may be going wrong in their lives or what may not be healed, right? So now all of a sudden you're home and you have more time. It's everybody is going through the retirement syndrome sooner than they expected to because that's exactly what happens to a lot of retirement couples. They're now home. They no longer have anything to do. They face each other. They feel they're bored with their lives. They're bored with each other when in actuality they're finally facing themselves that they've not faced all that time that they were working. So people being at home now are being forced to face that sooner. And it gives them great opportunity. That's the whole point. It's, It's not to make everybody upset and depressed. It's to make them realize, oh, look at this. We've got these things that we can work on. And more importantly, we have the time now to work on them, right? Isn't that the way it should be? Well, should is the operative word in that sentence. Yeah. Of course it should be. But most people run in horror, you know, and as you as you were saying that, I, I remember working for a guy, must have been 50 years ago, a program director, and uh, the subject of God came up and he said, you know, I just never had time to think about that yet. And I thought to myself, how do you not? But it wasn't wasn't totally unusual. A lot of people are able to delay any of the the deep work, so to speak, any anything yeah. about them, because uh, it's great when you can just run to work or run to the restaurant or run to this. And so now that they're hit with this choice, what's interesting to me is a lot of people, A, don't recognize it, and B, will go kicking and screaming against doing just that. They've done that most of their lives, gone kicking and screaming. As a matter of fact, that is the reason why the brain creates defense mechanisms, is so that they don't have to face what may be uncomfortable, what may be painful. And so what you see going on in the world today and all of the negativity that's coming to the surface, just imagine that being all their hurts, all their scars, all their past, all the things they've tried to ignore coming to the surface. And it, I, I am not one to say, like some of my colleagues in this field that I'm in, that, that this is happening for a, a reason, a positive reason. No, I, I definitely believe it's here, and it brings things to the surface, and we have positive opportunities to work on this stuff. I don't think we need a virus, a pandemic. I don't think we need these crises to finally do something. But now is the time to do it. That's why everybody understands we're not supposed to go back to the the normal. We're supposed to create a new normal because it's the normal that caused this problem to start with. I can see the end result as ultimately being very positive. The the road in the middle is... uh, 
is really fraught with issues because when people are afraid, of course, politicians and despots over the eons know this, the easiest way to motivate a, a population is through fear. And, and when people are, are downright afraid and on top of that are angry, and you're, you're seeing a lot of anger in this, that, that makes them vulnerable to things because they'll look outside themselves for the answer rather than inside. Well, they've already created the situation that they're in now from doing that. And as Albert Einstein said, you can't solve a problem with the same set of beliefs that created it and the same paradigm. So they cannot do the same thing. They can't turn on the outside. They have to turn on the inside for the answers. Their fear has been nothing more and nothing less than their lack of being able to believe in themselves, trust themselves, love themselves because they received different messages when they were growing up. And so what has happened is that fear has turned into other types of defense mechanisms. I keep using that term, but it's true. The the two priorities that the human brain has, the number one is keep us alive. Number two, protect us in order to keep us alive. Now, not only does it protect us physically, for example, with the coronavirus, if you get COVID-19, what's one of the symptoms? Is your temperature goes up, you have fevers. Well, it's not the coronavirus that has actually caused the fever directly. It is your brain that has intentionally raised your body temperature to make it an unlivable environment for the virus. Well, that is the way it protects us physically. But how does it protect us emotionally when we have emotional pain? Well, it will help you create a new set of beliefs that shield you and protect you from the ones that are painful, the ones like, I'm not good enough, I'm not deserving, I'm not lovable, um, I can't trust myself. All of those feelings cause a lot of emotional pain, and the brain cannot accept that. So there's where the anger comes from. There's where resentment comes from, because now it developed the belief that, oh, it's not my fault that my life sucks. It's everybody else's fault. It's my boss. It's my partner. It's the president. It's whoever. And so that gets in the way of us doing the work, especially in relationships. It's my partner. My wife and I have been together 47 years, married 42. We just celebrated it last week. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And the reason why we're together that long and very happily is because of the amount of work we each have done on ourselves individually, but as a team together. So we would read a self-improvement book. Because we both came from past. Everybody has a story, no matter how intense or mild it was. They have a story from their past that needs some kind of healing or resolution of some type. By working on yourself and doing it in a team partnership, you help each other. The relationship grows stronger, and therefore the couple grows stronger. So couple therapy in itself is not about teaching each other how to communicate properly so the other person understands you've heard them. It's about learning how to heal yourself but working with your partner on it at the same time. So we would read books, we still do, and we discuss them. We watch a movie, we talk about it. We go to a lecture, we talk about it. That's what's missing with couples. 
they're so busy doing their own thing, I'm like, what time do you have together to work on each your, yourselves, but doing it together? You don't. You're doing it all by yourselves. And then you're wondering why the couple is splitting apart. It's interesting because, of course, what you're saying is, is valid in every way, shape, and form. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but as I, as I look at the human condition, at the moment, anyway, I'm seeing people less ready to embrace that level of work and more ready. And of course, you know, I don't want to go by social media because it's always like the group mind. It's uh, more emotional and less intelligent. You always see that. But in general, I see that a number of people are almost further away from that. Now you could say, well, that's the way it'll happen. It'll get to a breaking point. But regardless, where we are right now is we see people who are more wholeheartedly willing willing to blame, uh, whether it's the political structure or the guy sleeping in the bed next to them. You're absolutely right, until they talk with me. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's the secret, except, but you see, but here's the thing. I'm on your show. You're putting me out there. You've invited me. They're hearing this message. Now they can do the work. They have to understand that I don't care who you leave and who you decide to attract to you at another time. You're going to have the same issues over and over and over until you heal yourself. And all you have to do is motivate somebody to understand that. They're open right now. You, you said it. They're vulnerable, but they're vulnerable for the good words, too. I've never worked harder in my life than during this entire process. I've done more interviews, more classes, more videos, because people are in that vulnerable state, and they need to hear, wait, don't run. There's still more work you can do, and it'll be so worth your while if you do it. And the moment you put it in those terms, believe it or not, they'll take the time to do that extra work, because right now they can't go anywhere anyway. Absolutely so, true. Right? So isn't it convenient yeah. that the disease we have that's bringing to the surface all the problems is also the answer for our problems? Yes, it it's is. making us have the time to do something valuable. And, of course, they don't doesn't mean that it's not a guarantee that they're going to make the right choices of what they're going to do to learn. I just got off the phone with a case like that. She was all ready to leave, and I'm like, oh, no, you're not. You're not ready to leave. You think you are, but I'm telling you, and then she just turned her entire view around and said, you know what, I never thought of it that way. Okay, I will work on it. I'm going to talk with him about it. And there you go. Yeah. So there is opportunity, but I I do agree with you. There will be those that are so far along they'll end. And eventually, they're going to be asking for help anyway, because it's not going to work the second time, it's not going to work the third time, nor the fourth time. Right. Run, running seems so easy, but unfortunately, wherever you wind up, you're always there. Uh, Vincent, Exactly. Uh, wherever yeah. you go, there you are. Exactly. VincentJenna.com is the website. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hit you with this. Vincent has said, people don't believe what they think they believe. We're going to find out exactly what they do believe and maybe what you believe as well. 888-876-5593-8888 Raleigh on WGN Radio.
as you can guess she was dead that's the visit the circle i was trying to think of songs of the great beyond and it came that down to that or dickie lee's laurie so uh i think you won out on that choice the visit was a flip side of a flop the circle did in 1967 on columbia and uh, some night we'll talk about the history of that group for eastern pennsylvania college kids who uh ran into brian epstein and wind up opening for the Beatles. But we are talking with Vincent Jenna, vincentjenna.com. And as I was saying moments ago, I am very intrigued with the line. I think I know where it's going, but Vincent will tell us that people don't believe what they think they believe. Absolutely. And, and I had briefly mentioned it in the first half by talking about the defense mechanisms that the brain creates. Because of those two high functions and the function of protecting us and protecting us against emotional pain as well, the brain goes through its own processes in order to do that, that we're unaware of. So what people have to understand that only 2 to 5% of your entire mind is in conscious awareness, 2 to 5%. That means 95 to 98% of the entire human mind is in unawareness. The majority of the mind, most people have no idea what's going on in there. And they have to understand a lot is going on in there. And it's all based on what we formed as beliefs, our first set of beliefs from when we were young growing up, and then what the brain is doing to shield those set of beliefs. I call them the I'm not. You know, like I said earlier, the I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not deserving. Well, that's very painful to walk through life that way. As the brain begins to develop and you get older, it will go through the process of shielding you from those beliefs. Freud, Sigmund Freud came out with a 10 different, um, and I never remember them, defense mechanisms, not all of them, denial, repression, suppression, sublimination, you know, all of that, projection, rationalization, intellectualization. And what he was talking about is your brain will go through these processes to hide those beliefs. So, okay, so what does that matter? You become an adult and now you're using and working from your adult mind, not your child's mind. But we are more than just physical beings. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience. What does that mean? We're energies. And we're tapped into energy. And we manifest our lives. But we don't manifest it from our conscious thinking. We manifest it from that subconscious, unconscious thinking, deep down. Mm -hmm. So when you're wanting to attract a good relationship, 
you're ready. Oh, I'm going to find my knight in shining armor. I'm going to find my princess, right? I'm going to have a family. Oh, it's going to be great. I can finally move out of my parents' homes, right? All of those, those thoughts, right? And you're putting that energy out there, but before it leaves you, that little kid inside deep down turns around and says, oh, you're not going to find anybody worthwhile. It's not going to work out. You're not lovable. That's what you're really believing, but you don't hear that. But then all of a sudden, you attract a relationship, and in the beginning, it seems great. It seems wonderful. It seems fine. You're all getting along because you're going through the courtship phase. And somewhere down the line, all of a sudden, it goes sour. The, uh, your partner's not acting the way he or she you thought and what you need. Your emotional needs aren't being met. And like attracts like, so the both of you that were hungry for love are now with each other and starving to death because nobody has it to give to each other. Right. And you wonder why it breaks apart. But you expected it to break apart because the part that you thought was controlling your life, your conscious thoughts weren't. Your unconscious thoughts are controlling your life. And that's why people don't believe what they think they believe. Because when they're going to their boss and asking for that raise and he says, no, you think it's the boss's fault, when in reality you're sitting there at saying at the same time you're asking, oh, I'm not going to get the raise, I don't deserve the raise. No, not like my, the other guys, they're here all the time, I don't deserve You don't know you're saying that, but you are, because the outcome is negative. So the outcome of your life actually lets you know truly what you believe about who you are deep down. And it gives you the answers as to what you need to work on. What's interesting about what you're saying is it explains why the quote-unquote law of attraction and the secret and all those things don't work for many people. That's right. Oh, I wrote a book about that that I'm waiting, I'm praying to get published. It's called God, It's Not Working. And, and why I title that is no matter what these people are trying and they're studying the law of attraction, and they go to seminars, and they go to spiritual centers, but they still end up saying, God, it's not working. Yeah. And the reason is because they don't believe what they think they believe. But they don't know it. And herein lies, right. the, lies, lies the problem. How do you discover this? And also, what do you do about it? Well, the discovery is easy. I happen to mention that, too. Look at your life. Do you have in it what you want? If you don't, then you know what you're believing. If you don't have that, that love of your life, it's because you don't believe you're lovable. If you don't have the finances that you deserve and you're constantly struggling, it's because you don't believe you deserve them. If you don't have great health, you're punishing yourself in some way. If you don't have anything, that, that, that rewarding career, it's because you don't believe you're good enough. So you can look at the outcome in order to truly understand what you must be believing. So that is stage one, and it's the most important stage. I, I do a workshop called Stop Stopping Yourself and Become Unstoppable. As a matter of fact, I have my own radio show on Unity Online Radio. I'm a host. And my show is called Stop Stopping Yourself, and it's all about that. It's all about how we sabotage ourselves because we're not paying attention to that inner voice and our defense mechanisms are getting in the way. You need to acknowledge that you have defense mechanisms. So in other words, what I'm saying is you don't have a lover, all right? 
your brain is going to want to tell you that you are thinking the right way. Oh, yes, of course I think I'm lovable. Oh, I definitely do think. It's, it's because there's not enough people here. They're the wrong guys that I'm constantly meeting. And, oh, these women, forget it. They have such luggage. And you can come up with a million and one excuses. Those are your defense mechanism. Stop the excuses first. And don't be afraid to acknowledge and admit, wait a minute, there are 8.2 billion people on the face of the earth. Am I really just not coming across the right ones? In any given day, I can meet 100 people. It must be what I'm believing about myself. That's the biggest step. Once you acknowledge it, then you can start healing it. Then you can start talking with yourself because when you say out loud to yourself, the reason why I'm not in a good relationship is because I don't believe I'm lovable. People realize when as soon as they hear that, they'll say, wait a minute, that's so silly. That's a ridiculous belief. I, I'm, of course I'm lovable. All right, so I make some mistakes, but of course I'm lovable. Right there, they're reaffirming a truth, but they can't heal what they don't acknowledge needs healing. So God, it's not working, will tell us step-by-step how to do this when it comes out. When it comes out. Yes, it does. And I, and I gave you the three primary steps. You have to acknowledge that you're believing in something else, release the defense mechanism that's stopping you from acknowledging that, and then affirm what is the truth. Because those beliefs, those maladaptive beliefs, are not correct. They were just messages, negative messages we received from the environment. Of course we're good enough. Of, of course we're worthy. Of course we're lovable. We're magnificent divine beings from the moment that we were created. It doesn't take another human being, a parent, a mother, a father, to prove that. Now they were supposed to nurture that into us and, and bring out our truth about who we are, but unfortunately... People's stories have been passed down from generation to generation because we haven't stopped that paradigm. You can stop it now by changing the belief and the attitude you have about yourself. Do you know how critical people are? You do. I'm sure you you deal with people. They're so critical of themselves, there isn't another human being who can put you down harder and harsher than you put yourself down. And that's known. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, along those same lines, uh, two people can experience the exact same event and have vastly different beliefs about the outcome. And you can see that in families where one sibling will, in fact, be just completely downtrodden and the other one will be completely uptempo. So it's more than just the exposure to the events. It's also, on some level, the individual reaction to them. And I know from Uh, from your website, part of that might have to do with past life conditioning. Yes, that's the other uh, factor to all of this, is we do bring in certain elements of past lives with us. Uh, We do that for the experience of what we want to experience in this lifetime around. We may bring a talent. We may bring in some karmic issues that we want to change or fix in some way, which is, by the way, that is the danger once I get to the other side, i got to tell everybody, don't keep going down there to try to fix things. You don't need to do that because you can chance messing them up even worse. 
Um, so, so there's a lack of forgiveness, there's a lack of self-tolerance, and there's those issues. And especially with relationships. You, if you don't resolve a relationship in this lifetime, there's a good chance that you're going to agree to come down together again in order to attempt to resolve it in another lifetime. Now, interesting about that. Does it have to be the same uh, personality, the individual that you were dealing with, or can it be resolved in the same dynamic? Actually, it doesn't have to be with the individual at all. Okay, that's what I thought. That that exactly. There is the difference between retribution and restitution. We are a retributive society, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Well, we do that to ourselves too. So in other words, if we make a low choice, we feel bad, um, uh, we, we, we get drunk, we get in the car, we get into a car accident, we kill a family. Okay. We get to the other side. Now, I know this is going to sound crazy to most of your listeners, but this is the truth of how we deal with it. On the other side, we feel completely unlimited. Right? Over here, we have limits. Over there, we feel like superheroes, right? So we go, we, we, we feel, oh my gosh. Oh, I can't believe I did that to you guys. Now we're on the other side there, and we're facing the family that we killed. Oh, you know what? We're going to have to go down again. Will you come down with me? And this time, I tell you what, I'm going to rob your house. You shoot me. Right. Okay? I'll feel better. Okay. That may sound ridiculous, but think of this for a moment. In this life, two friends or a bunch of friends, guys, they're, they're playing ball together, maybe football. And accidentally, one is a little bit rougher, and he, and he hits his friend in the eye with his elbow. Oh, my God, he feels so bad. And he had, oh, guys, oh, my God, my eye, right? What is one of the things that the guy who hit him accidentally says to him? Go ahead, punch me. Punch me in the face. Go ahead. It'll make you feel better. It'll make me feel better. Go ahead. <laughs> now, that is a truth. I've seen it over and over and over again. And if we do that physically here where we're limited and we don't remember who we are, what are the choices we'll make on the other side when we get here? That is the retributive understanding. Restitution is, I know I made a low choice in that lifetime, and I'm not going to do that again. There we go. It's done. You don't have to fix it. I hurt, I hurt you. I'm sorry I did that. That was a low choice. You don't have to come down and try to fix it. Now, if you want to come down, and let's go down this time and really have a great time. You can do that. So you'll take on a different persona. You'll take on different personality traits. You won't even remember that you're doing that. But you'll make those choices to come down again. There's a beautiful movie, What Dreams May Come, with Robin Williams and Cuba Gooding Jr., and it's a wonderful concept of what death is and reincarnation. And the end of the movie has a twist in it that's absolutely beautiful. And I don't want to give it away, but people should watch it. And it really explains the reason as to why we keep coming back here. Or at least a couple of reasons, beautiful reasons, why we come back here. Yeah, we all want to know. VincentJenna.com is the website. Vincent Jenna is my guest. If you've got specific questions, by all means, 888-876-5593. Otherwise, I'll hog Vincent because I got questions about the other side. I'm Raleigh James, and this is WGN Radio. My love. 
about as Chicago as it gets, the Flamingos. I only have eyes for you. It was in 1959, 61 years ago today, that that song peaked at number three on the R&B charts, number 11 on the pop charts nationally. Since then, it's become almost an anthem, bigger subsequently than when it was first out. On End Records, George Goldner's label out of New York, and that's a story, too. All right, we're talking with Vincent Jenna, vincentjenna.com, and he is an author, a speaker, a psychic teacher, a medium, and so much more. And so I'm going to the other side, and I've always had this question, and I'm, I'm deadly serious about this, all right, Vincent? Okay. Uh, my, my thing is obscure soul oldies. And what I realize is I might have heard several hundred thousand of them, but I clearly haven't heard them all. Now, now some of them I'm going to hate, but there's probably a few hundred that I would adore if I could hear it. When I get to the other side, can I hear all the obscure soul records I didn't hear here, kind of like an Akashic Records chart? Oh, you, it, it is actually part of your work on the other side to get to experience all of that and to meet all your past lives. Yeah, I figured we met all our past lives, and I figured... Now, by the way, along those lines, when, uh, when we meet somebody from this life on the other side, are we able to see not only the role they played in this fantasy, but also the other lives as well? No. Ooh. When you meet somebody here that, you're, that you had a past life with, yeah. you're not supposed to really know that or remember that. You do on a deeper level um it's it's why so many people experience that um i fell in love with you at first sight no it's actually love at first memory it's not at first sight right um that comfort that you feel with somebody that you first met maybe at meet at a party or at an occasion you just you know start talking with a person you go gee i feel so comfortable with you we have such a deep connection that's how it's going to come across, but it should never be, oh, wait, oh, didn't I know you from that past right, life? Right. Oh, my gosh. Right. You know, you were an Indian, and I was a cowboy, and we got together. Holy moly. No, it, I, it wouldn't I don't mean have that. the same effect as to what you're supposed to experience with each other this lifetime. Well, exactly. That's not what I mean. I mean, when we're both on the other side. You know, I died. Oh, when you both? Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Oh, see, I went through that whole explanation, uh, that, that's and I misunderstood okay. the question. No, yeah, that's, that's fine. But, ah. yeah, in other words, we, we see, uh, you know, we die. We see our husband, who's also been dead a while. Do we get to know what he was to us in all of their lifetimes? What, you know, Absolutely. You okay. see everything about okay. everybody, but to the level that you can accept it. It's a little at a time. If, if you left here... And you got to the other side, and the entire book of records was shown to you, yeah. you'd freak out. Because in one of those lifetimes, chances are 
you weren't very nice. Oh, of course, you know? of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it takes time and it takes an elevated understanding in order to be able to accept that that was okay, too. No, absolutely. It's it's going to be the panoply. Now, yeah. uh, are the, all the incarnations on Earth? Wait. As opposed, I may not be understanding that question. As opposed are to all the incarnations. Another. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, I do understand that question. Okay, yes. Wherever you are incarnated now, and this is some nonsensical beliefs too. And I'm sorry if I offended anybody who's listening. Here's the thing. The moment we decided to incarnate in a particular planet, in a particular universe, we created a karma there instantaneously. You are not allowed to bring your karma. That's the only cosmic law out there. You are not allowed to bring your karmic baggage someplace else. So once on Earth, always on Earth. Now, Now, that doesn't mean that when you're in spirit... You cannot guide somebody in a different planet. We actually have a lot of spiritual alien guides. Okay. More so them helping us than us helping them. They don't need our help. We need theirs. They're the advanced ones, not us. So they will help. And I know, as a matter of fact, I I know several people, and I, I have a dear friend who is now noted by the government as having the most contacts, um, and sightings of UFOs, and we've become friends, and they, and UFOs and aliens have started speaking with me and introduced me to this guy, and it's all come out right at the time that the government released all of this understanding of the UFOs so that we can understand who they really are, and they truly are our big brothers and sisters who are just down here to help us. But no, there are no aliens actually physically incarnating here. Okay. And we don't get to go yeah. to somewhere else. Now, no, you don't get to go someplace else. No, you got to you got you to keep your stuff on Earth. They don't want us anywhere. <laughs> uh, time is, of course, uh, and of course, Einstein proved it: theory of relativity and all that. Right. Uh, not what we experience it here. The, the idea of simultaneous nature of uh, of the universe. With that in mind, I assume that. When you're on Earth, you've got a probable future as opposed to how it might wind up. But with that in mind, here I am impressing you or asking you in the last moment of the show, when's the pandemic going to be over? As soon as we change our attitudes. And assuming that the future was a line extension of the past, when will that be? (sighs) Well... Here's here that everybody has been asking me that question. Um, it, yes, it's supposed to end before the end of the year. And, and, and when I say end, I mean the majority of it. Right. It'll be lingering. However, because of people's choices right now, they're extending that into 2021. All right. We need to start caring about each other more because that's, not that anybody is putting us through the test, but that's the proverbial test. On that note... And that's the proverbial cure. And on that note, vincentjenna.com, will you join us again? Yes, I will, anytime. Thank, Thank you, you so much Thank for inviting you. me. I appreciate that. I'm Raleigh James, and this is WGN Radio.